Blog Talk Radio. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, 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 one. We have ignition. Strap in.
that way I know something right, and then I make you pay for it. So I had to fight harder, Jonathan. That's, I hope my Auburn Tigers fight that hard on the field this year. Cal, one can only hope. Yeah, if they fight like I hope either I hope they're better than those that crappy poll you put out again with my tigers not in it. So I'm hoping. That's the best <laughs> I'm, hoping. I'm hoping. I don't put out a poll anymore. I've I've learned my lesson, so I'm just gonna sit back and watch other people's polls and and you know it won't be a show tonight, but we have to talk about tonight eventually in their day arrest, a guy punching a police officer. So uh, Illegal weapons, drugs, all the good stuff at Notre Dame. And you know what? At least I'm going to give Brian Kelly some credit. He's already booted two off. Maybe would have made him run a lap and then punished him. That would be their punishment. Mm-hmm. Run a couple of stairs, run a lap, run a mile or something. And, and I'm just – Brian Kelly did the right thing, didn't he? So far, he's done the right thing. He's got two more to go or three more people to go, right? The five people total. Uh, it was the five in the car with uh, the pot and the gun, and then then there was <laughs> there was the other guy who what I I can't remember that's that's the one who punched the cop or, or whatever it was he got the resisting uh, Leo. Um, yeah, I mean that was a really that's just uh, you can't have a night worse than that as a as a program six year players get nabbed. Um, you know, especially three with illegal possession of a firearm. Now, from what I understand, it's there's only one gun. Everybody's trying to understand, trying to figure out how can three get charged with possession of one gun. Well, here's the deal: the gun was found nobody in the backseat, most likely, and yeah, nobody said, "Okay, that's mine." So all three get hit with it, and the cops are sitting there looking. I'm going, "One of you is finally going to say, all right, my bad guys, let me take care of this.'" But if we learned anything from the Olympics, bro code is is going by the wayside. Yeah, it is. And uh, let me tell you something, people out there listening. You're better off with three pounds of pot in your trunk, three machine guns under your seat, five hand grenades on the other side, than than punching a cop. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get off easier. I'm telling you. Flying an ISIS flag around, I think, with that stuff in there too. I mean, this day and age, if you touch a police officer, <laughs> you, you, that's the dumbest thing you can do this in time. You know, I mean, honestly, I, I, I thought about the other ones, what was going to happen. I saw the guy punch the police officer. I know, I knew that that, that was going to get pretty ugly. But we can let Quinn talk about it, but I don't know if he can talk about it objectively. But let's see what he's got to say. Let's bring him on right quick. Quinn, I mean, after your sisters are, are gone for game one, thoughts? Well, uh, I, thought, I thought Kelly handled it right. I'm guessing... Because Kelly, uh, a Notre Dame like uh, journalist, came out and said what Kelly said, and he met with law enforcement and talked to them over everything that happened. So I'm guessing he, the guy that hit the police officer, he's suspended indefinitely. And then, and then Redfield, this isn't the first time Redfield has done stuff. He's He's kind of pissed Kelly off before, so I'm guessing that red that might have been Redfield's gun, or he got it somehow. So he's kicked off, and then he said the other the other guys that were in the car, um, he he's handling with them uh, 
privately within the program, he's going to punish them. Kind of like Saban Kind of like Saban does. Yeah, except except uh, except Kelly took guys off the team, and Saban didn't kick yeah. any guy off the team. Yeah, uh, Saban wasn't they, they, the guy could have shot five cops, had a bag of weed. Any cocaine, and he'd still give him a second chance, third, fourth, fifth chance. But Saban's not kicking anybody off. Yeah, but if you're a thug out there, if you're a thug out there, and you want to play for a team and do anything you want, go to battle, right? Yeah, but the thing too is that Notre Dame, I think, uh, coaches are also held to a higher standard. I think the school expects to, with stuff like this, if someone's in the wrong and they really did something. That something has to happen, or else, or else the coach might get in well, trouble if they don't do anything. Well, here's a here's a difference. Here's a difference, Quinn, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on mute for a minute while we discuss this. The difference is Jonathan between Notre Dame and Alabama is Notre Dame runs Notre Dame, not the coach, not the head football coach, and that's that's a big difference between the two programs. Brian Kelly doesn't have the power Nick Saban has, and when that happens things usually go according to the way they're supposed to go. When you have a coach that's outranking everyone, making more money than than anybody in the school, and he runs the team, then you have problems. So I think Notre Dame will handle this right. It's not really Brian Kelly's choice. This is Notre Dame's choice. They don't play. Right. No, I agree 100% with you on that. Um, you know, Notre Dame – as an institution, they do have their own their, – their their rules and guidelines are set off of the president and not the football coach, and they will handle this. And, you know, the, the great thing about a school like Notre Dame is that they're going to deal with the kid privately in a manner that other institutions can't because they're a private school and, and you know, a school like Alabama is a public school. So Notre Dame can hand, can hand down other repercussions just because you have to sign, like, a morality clause with them that states if you break a rule, this, this, and this is what happens. So I, you know, I have faith that they're going to do everything right here by the school. I do too. I, I think the school is what matters. Notre Dame's not about one player. It's not about one person or just about, you know, I put something on, on our way in sports page. What do you think Saban would do? Well, I mean, there's, there's no telling what he would do with this, or I know what he would do, but it's great to see coaches step in, like Brian Kelly, Gus Malzahn, people, hey, nobody's bigger than the team. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how important you are. You're done. I mean, that's going to hurt Notre Dame on the field. It's not. It's, it's really going to hurt them. So, I mean, all you people had Notre Dame in the playoffs, Jonathan, could this impact? Could this impact Notre Dame's playoff run? I think any time you take away uh, guys who uh, uh, could be contributors to a program, uh, there there could always be ramifications of it. But Notre Dame has recruited so well, and they are so stacked, that I think that uh, losing one or two guys outside of really key positions they're going to be okay. You know, if they lost their starting left tackle or if they lost one of the quarterbacks, um, I think I would put them in a little more trouble. But right now I'm going to say that they're, you know, I'm going to have them, you know, proceeding on the same course. 
Mm, I believe they'll hurt them a little bit. Um, I mean, you, anytime you lose players like this, these are not just regular players. These are experienced players that, that are going to be in the NFL. That's why I think it, it may hurt them early. Maybe not late. Maybe not. Maybe they can rebound by the end of the season and, you know, you know, somebody step up and get some experience. But early on against Texas, do you think they're going to need these guys? I don't – I mean, I hear, I hear people say Texas is going to be improved. I'm still wondering what Texas is going to do at quarterback. But off Notre Dame just a second, here's a guy at A&M, you know, arrested for domestic violence. I mean, I don't know if you heard about this. Josh Walker, Friday I, I, night. I did. Isn't that the guy that uh, they, he was videotaped uh, beating his dog? No, that's the guy that beat his girlfriend. Oh, Lord. There's another guy. That was Baylor. That was Baylor that, that did that to the dog. I don't even want to talk about that. I'll get pissed off talking about that's that. That's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. A- and um, I mean, here, here's my question. Why does it seem like schools in Texas have more issues with kids in law enforcement. Um, I mean, you, we had the, the situation at Baylor. No doubt about that. That was awful. I don't know how many people remember, but not too long ago, um, there was that big Coke scandal at TCU where players were dealers. A&M seems to have two, three, four, five kids a year who are getting in trouble. Uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just and, – well, yeah, and coaches – so I'm just starting to scratch my head at this point. You know what's what's going on, especially with those three schools. What's going on out there to where everybody just seems to get in trouble? It's called no accountability. Charlie Strong, he's starting. I think he holds people accountable. So I think you're, you'll start seeing Texas out of the news a little bit. But as long as Kevin Sumlin's at A and M. You're going to have people doing stupid things because they don't respect him. This is a coach, remember? He got dragged out of a bar. He was stumbling. They call him stumbling, stumbling. He got so drunk he couldn't even walk out of a bar. He had to be carried out. I mean, this is a leader of your team. These players look up to him, and they're doing stupid things. I mean, this was uh, charges of assault causing bodily injury to a family member and interfering with emergency requested for assistance. Um this guy, I know he pushed his girlfriend down the stairs, roughed her up a little bit. Um, we'll see what happens with him, but I'm sure Kevin Sumlin, you know, it's been quiet at A&M really here lately. They lost their two five-star quarterbacks, and all of a sudden this happens two weeks before the season, man. I mean, you've, you've done all the spring work, summer. Now you're getting ready to play, and all of a sudden now you, you're going to jail. I mean, I just don't understand. And the dog thing at Baylor, I will talk about it a little bit, but that guy needs to be thrown in jail for 20 years for doing that. Because I'm going to tell you, if you'll do an animal like that, you'll do a human like that. And that's what people forget. Oh, it's just a dog. Well, how about I I do you like that and see how it feels? So uh, what do you think about Baylor and the dog incident? Uh, I agree with you. I think there needs to be some sort of punishment handed down there. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, I find the situation to be uh, horrendous for the most part. It's it's a shame that it happened. And uh, I know Grobe issued a statement afterwards in which he expressed extreme disappointment and the university was going to 
review the situation and see how to deal with this, which I think is the best course of action. Um, but I do think that the, uh, there definitely needs to be some uh, police action here, some legal action. Yeah, there has to be, man. So what do you think about the top 25 that came out? Let's look at the top 10. What do you think, AP? What do you think they missed? What do you think they got right? What do you think? Well, uh, you know, maybe it's just because I'm a superstitious FSU fan. I hate it whenever a poll uh, has Florida State uh, very high up. Um, Alabama being unanimous number one, I think, was a given. Uh, definitely well, they, most talented they, they, they team. They've earned it. Mhm. Mhm. I agree. Now, the one team that I kind of questioned their placement at first, and then I, I slapped myself and said, "Well, you know, what, what, what were you thinking?" Was Houston at fifteen? And then I stopped and went, wait a minute. Houston didn't lose a lot. They're just gonna be. They're gonna be just as good as last year because they, they've been adding uh, four and five stars uh, through recruiting the past two years. Um, so I, and they I, you play know, one four, game. Yeah. They play one yeah, game. They, exactly. Um, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, and LSU getting first place votes always makes me giggle. The random fans. I mean, Florida State got five, so we're we're not we're not immune to this at all. Uh, Tennessee being at number nine seems right. I think you you know you agree with me on that. I think Tennessee should be a little higher based off my expectations, but based off what they've done on the field last year, I think they're right. I think, according to what my research tells me, I think Tennessee's a top-five team. But at nine, I'm sure they're happy to be there and kind of keeps them out of the spotlight a little bit. But I'm going to tell you the thing that jumps out at me, and if it, if you're a Clemson fan out there, you're number two, you go on the road at night at Jordanaire Stadium, Jonathan, that's got a – that's a team that out of the top ten in the first week that's got the chance to lose. Look at those teams and tell me which which team has the best chance to lose out of those ten. I mean, you know, you have Alabama playing number twenty USC, which isn't it funny how we we said that teams were going to be ranked that probably shouldn't be just because of yeah. who they were playing week one. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Alabama, Florida State. LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, Stanford, Tennessee, Notre Dame, I, I believe we're all going to win. That leaves me with Oklahoma and Clemson, number two and number three. Both got tough games <laughs> on the road against very talented and good teams. I, mm, I mean, we can see number two and number three go down right off the bat. No doubt in my mind. I'm going to say oh, I'm putting Oklahoma on a higher upset alert. Uh, just because. Who do they? Who do they play again? Who do they play? Houston. That's right. They're, That's yeah, the only game because, Houston plays all year. Right, and I know what Houston is. I'm still waiting to see what Auburn's offense is because we haven't seen JF three in live game action as a Tiger yet. Uh, that's my only exactly. uh, caveat is that we haven't seen JF three live yet. But in that game, I mean, that first quarter is going to be huge. I can, you know, I, I look at that game and I've it around the top ten. I've got a, uh, Notre Dame, I think, should win Texas. Tennessee will beat App State. And, you know, LSU, Wisconsin, that's great. Florida State will win. It's kind of cute, you know, for a, a, about a half. 
Oklahoma, Houston, you're right. That's a that's going to be a tough one. But Clemson, I mean, you're you, you got to remember when you're Clemson, you're just looking off last year. The Auburn team was in every game but one. You know, they've won seven games. Uh, got blew out by LSU in the first half and quit. We and then they played well. But this is a team full of four and five players that's been in the top ten in recruiting the last six five six years. So it's not like this. <laughs> I mean, people think Auburn's just a bunch of dogs that that are terrible. They're one quarterback away from, from running for that playoff right there. That's You know it. I know it. Anybody with sense knows it. If JF3 is a big contributor to this team and they beat Clemson this first week, watch out. I don't know if they could beat Clemson with Sean White right now. They may can't. You never know. I mean, it's the first game. But if Franklin the third does what he's supposed to do, just say he, he is the real deal, then I like our chances a lot. I'm with you on that. The only reason I'm not really high on Auburn right now is just because their unknown is so big. Um, you know that that's my only you know thing with with, with Auburn mm-hmm. is just that you know I as much as I respect and like John Franklin the third, I haven't seen him play against a D1 team yet, so I can't you know as, as effectively grade him yet. But I think that you know there are a couple games where I'm like, well, this is a you know this is a toss up. And if Franklin's as good as we think he's going to be, they're going to win this game. You know, so, you know, I mean, that's the only way I'm looking at this. Is, is Clemson ready? Clemson, how many true dual-threat quarterbacks did they face last year? The best teams they played didn't really throw a lot of mobile quarterbacks out. And Baker Mayfield, people want to call him a dual-threat. I, I don't. I, he's a scrambler, but I don't think he's a runner. Um but they followed him up pretty well. But Alabama and Florida State did not throw dual-threat quarterbacks at them. So we didn't really get a chance to see that defense have to really contain uh, uh, that more that spread option offense that Auburn runs, that good, that shotgun triple option in all reality. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, obviously, that night you'll have a great vantage point from where you're sitting <laughs> of, of what, what's going to happen and how the feeling is. But I just got to imagine Auburn's got to be jacked like nobody's business with number yes, two coming to are. land. I mean, this is revenge Especially for 2011. When, yeah, you lose everybody right here on the defensive front seven. I mean, just about. And you have to go on the road into Auburn, man, and play that team. You know, on offense, you know, you lost your you lost a receiver, a left guard, a right tackle. It's not the same team. And that's why I keep trying to tell people, yeah, they still they have eight starters returning offensively, but it's a different year, and it's different. I'm telling you what, I've been to – I'm 39 years old. I've been to a lot of night Auburn games, and I can count on one hand the number they've lost. It's just different there, man. It's different at night than anywhere else. Maybe LSU is probably the one place that you don't want to play, but I don't know if you've been to a night game in Auburn. I know Quinn has, but it's – it's electric, man. And the first game, you know, Auburn's got a chip on their shoulder. You know they do. Carl Lawson came back for a reason, Montrevious Adam. And all they've heard all year is, wow, this guy for Clemson put up 500 yards on Alabama, Watson, Watson, Watson. Imagine what this defense has been doing all, all season. They probably got a poster of him on the wall just punching it every day they walk by. So, I mean, you, you have to be careful when you when you mess with a team that's been there before. See, Clemson snuck in there last year, and they finally got there, but they couldn't finish. Auburn's finished, and they've been there twice in five years. 
so or six yeah five years for seasons now that's not too bad it's not like you're playing arkansas or, or mississippi state you're going to auburn and playing at night and i'm telling you if auburn wins that game clemson's been for a, a reawakening because I could see Clemson losing two games, finishing ten and two. I don't think they'll beat Florida State, but but you know that'd be a great season. But the Clemson fans right now being number one is all that matters, and a chance to repeat. If they lose that first game, Jonathan, I think that their chances dwindle because I think they won't have a lot of opportunities to make up for it. Whereas Auburn loses to Clemson, they've got LSU, A and M, Georgia, Bama. You know they've got teams to play that. that and the SEC championship. I don't think Clemson does. They only get one shot at Florida State. They don't get to play them twice. Uh, right. No, I, I agree. And I think uh, this Clemson team could easily go 10-2. And, 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 you know, in my preliminary um, run through of their schedule, I looked at it and went, oof, wait a minute. They could take a step back this year, and it's just a question of how big a step back could it be. Uh, so, you know, if they lose Auburn, you're right. There, there is that opportunity to where it's like, well, wait a minute. You got at Georgia Tech on a Thursday night. You got to go to Florida State. If you run the table, that's fine and dandy. But here's the problem. I don't know if they're going to – I firmly believe right now that they're not going to beat Florida State. So, if they don't beat FSU and they're 10-2, and two, well, I mean, maybe you go to the Peach Bowl. Um, I mean, not the Peach Bowl since that's a playoff game this year. Uh, you know, you go to, uh, like, the Orange Bowl or whatever as one of the uh, – the big six bowls, if you're lucky, uh, like FSU got a chance last year. So it's, it's definitely it's going to be a, an interesting situation to to watch. And this is this is a very big big game. Auburn wins, all of a sudden everybody goes, wait a minute, this, these guys could be a player. And if Clemson, and, and, you know, in case of playing Clemson loses, everybody goes, well, wait a minute, they are you know, is this going to be you know, they're going to take a step back? Is this the Clemson that you know we we kind of expect every year? I'm going to make a prediction for you right now. It may sound funny, but Watson doesn't finish that game. Really? Yeah, he's not going to finish. Who's their backup quarterback? Let's look. Um, Kelly Bryant. That's who you're looking at. I'm thinking he gets knocked out. Let's bring Quinn on right quick. Quinn has been to Auburn. He's been to nine games. We're we're gonna talk about Auburn for two minutes, Quinn, like we do every night. Yeah, Quinn. Quinn's gonna yeah. be at the game, so I'm bringing you in. How different is it playing Auburn at night in Jordan Hare compared to playing him at noon at Jordan Hare? It's wild at night. It's awesome at night. I was so glad. My aunt and stuff who I'm going to the game complain complain about that it's like an eight o'clock start. And I was pumped when Nine I heard it was an eight o'clock start. I love it, and I yeah. and I'm getting a better feeling about this game the closer it gets. About just a Me couple too. weeks ago, even a week ago, I didn't have the best feeling. But as the days progress, I'm getting a, a lot better feeling about this game. I I have confidence in whoever Gus starts. I have confidence in whether it's JF three or. Yeah. Sean White, I think either could do well, and I think the defense will, will be ready. Well, one thing that Auburn does very well is attack the edge, Jonathan. And Clemson, their best player on defense, just got hurt. He's out. And John Franklin the third, that outside getting to the edge could be huge. And the receiver for Auburn, the way they block, 
the way they, they're best in the country at blocking because of what they can do. I mean, I'm just saying it could be interesting. That's all I'm saying is, like, don't if you, if you think Clemson's going to come into Auburn and just spank them around and beat them by two touchdowns, you're insane. I mean, like, you don't know college football too well. Jonathan knows Clemson well enough. He knows Florida State well enough. He, he sees them every year, and he knows Auburn well enough to know that this is going to be a dogfight. How would you like your Florida State Seminoles coming to Auburn Saturday night at 9 o'clock, first game? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be – no, that's that's not on my list of teams that I like to play on the road. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's actually a long well, list of teams that I'd be okay with. Auburn's really not one of them. Yeah, Tuscaloosa is a place you don't want to go. I mean, it's like you don't – and Alabama is number one for a reason. I mean, that place right there is like a freaking madhouse. But here's the deal. It's a madhouse when they're winning. When they're losing, they're sitting over there sucking their thumbs like Cam Newton had them doing in 2010 in that stadium. But it's it's wild. Clemson's wild. I'm praying that Deshaun Watson leaves after this year <laughs> when we go to Clemson next year. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm praying that, that he doesn't have a year. We don't embarrass him, and he has a year to think about that because he is a real deal. He is a great quarterback. Good kid, too. I like yeah. him, and. I just hope for one game he has a bad one. You know, I just hope he sucks one game. Maybe he twists his ankle in warm-ups and just um, does something. I don't know. But, my God, last year you couldn't slow him down. They were early in the season, like you said, Jonathan, you pointed out last show we were on. They kind of started out a little slow, you know, but once they got rolling, man, they were they started rolling. And that's, if you're going to beat somebody, you're going to beat Alabama, you're going to beat them early. If you're going to beat Clemson, you're going to beat them early. You're going to beat Oklahoma and teams like that. You have to beat them early because once that team gets rolling, that talent gets going from Florida State and people like that, you're not going to beat them. So and that's I'll why say I say this. And I'll say this. We'll is Sean Watson played in his hostile in environment no. as it will be in Jordan-Hare? Saturday no, night. he played at home. He played at home against Florida State, Jonathan. And uh, well, last year he played. Last year he played at Louisville, at Miami, which they got about nine fans. At NC State, <laughs> at Syracuse, at South Carolina. No, I mean they haven't played in an atmosphere like this. Well, I mean Deshaun Watson played in 2014. And, you know, he, I mean, he he's played in hostile environment, if you will, because, you know, that year he got, he did play at Georgia and at Florida State. Granted, he didn't start the games. Uh, you know, remember, I remember the Georgia game, he came in, everybody was like, well, who is this kid? Why didn't he start from the get-go? Well, um, and, and I, I got to ask you, I got I to gotta ask you, what happened in both of them? Oh, they lost. Now, that Florida State game, <laughs> I mean, if I can be completely honest, we had no business winning that game. <laughs> we had no business business winning that game. I mean, come on, we won the game on the uh, it was deflected, caught touchdown after a strip fumble at the end of regulation that had no business. I and mean, uh, Clemson, they they outcoached. They weren't ready for that stage. Um, you can just tell by the way that played. And you're right. Last year, I mean, the most hostile environment they were in. Might have been Raleigh, uh, North Carolina State. A lot of people point to Louisville 
I'll tell you the most hostile environment they were in last year was North Carolina State because until you've been there, nobody understands how hostile Raleigh gets. Carter Finley Stadium is just weird. There is an energy around it. It's like in college basketball when teams go to Iowa State and they talk about the Hilton Magic and there's just something about it. The atmosphere there is the same, but it's nothing compared to playing at Auburn or at Florida State. Um, so you're right. I mean, this is going to be Watson's first big test of road games and going to be Auburn. I mean, he's got two really big tests on the road this year. Uh, and then Georgia Tech on the Thursday night, which they haven't exactly had the best luck against Tech on Thursday nights. And with losing the defense, they've lost. The kind of discipline you have to have to play Georgia Tech is scary because they'll hurt you, man. I mean, that's just the fourth game of the year. But, I mean, they injure people. They hurt defensive linemen. They hurt linebackers. They, they cut you. And then all of a sudden you beat up like that and you got to play Louisville. And then you, ball, you get in conference play. I don't care really what conference you're in. Conference games are tough. I mean, it's, it's always tough. You can't ride off a game because Clemson is playing Boston College or NC State because you just never know. Uh, but but I'm, just, I'm just ready for that first weekend. Probably the best football weekend we've ever seen, but – you know, if 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 you're gonna beat Alabama guys, Jonathan, I'll talk to you first about it. Southern Cal, this is their chance. I mean, this is your chance. If you're gonna beat Alabama and kind of dethrone them, you beat them the first game, man, you may have something. But I think Southern Cal, if they won that game, they're gonna end up losing three or four ball games easy, even if they beat Alabama. They're not that great, but that first game, it's anybody. It's just about turnovers and how you handle that first game, really. I agree. I mean, Alabama in season openers is another animal. It's something special. Um, I believe the defending champ has won like the last 17 uh, season openers. And Alabama in neutral site games, just looking at the last four years, crushed Michigan. They beat Virginia Tech in just an odd game. I remember the punt return for touchdowns of Cyrus Jones. They took care of business against West Virginia. And they just kind of, in all reality, just beat up on Wisconsin. Uh, you know, so th- when they're at a neutral site, they are just something else. They're another animal. But you're right, this is USC's best chance because Alabama's breaking in a new quarterback. There's no doubt about that. And Alabama, I don't know what it is, whenever they're a preseason number one under Saban, they tend to have weird years. Um, now, 2013 – that wasn't a weird year until the last game of the year, but you know they always seem to fall mm-hmm. short of expectations when they're the preseason number one. I'm looking more at 2010. So if you're going to hit them, you better hit them early. And the schedule they have is tough. Um, LSU, I think, is a little overhyped at number five until I I know who their quarterback is. Unlike Auburn, we know their quarterback, and I've seen him play. And if he plays very well, LSU should be dangerous with Fournette and those guys. But if he's the same old quarterback as last year, I don't think they're going to be that good and hard to beat. Ohio State lost a lot there at six. I think they're getting a lot of name recognition right there. There's no way you can put a number six if you if you see who they've lost. Michigan, same thing. Um, I think Michigan should be maybe a little bit ahead of Ohio State. Stanford, um, I can't believe they're in the top ten. Uh, Notre Dame, I can live with them at 10, Tennessee at 9. But 
I think they overall they got it. They did the best they could in these polls. But it's like the college football poll. The coaches poll went out first, right? Then they come out. Yeah. Or does the coaches poll even do it? No, the coach the coaches poll came out. And they were close, you know, so they copy each other. All that really matters yeah. is the committee. After about, after about what is it, six weeks? That's really what matters. Is how you doing when the committee comes out? Just like Sonya always said, it used to get on my nerves at first, but she's right. The rankings mean nothing to the committee ranks. You you sit over here and have all these preseason you want. And um, let's talk about the Tennessee Volunteers real quick out of the East. We're going to talk some NFL too tonight. The SEC East to me, I I just I look at Tennessee, man, what they've been building. And I know Paul Ewing. I wish he'd call in because he always talks bad about Tennessee being a Gator fan the way he is. But if you look at it, Jonathan, I don't see there's a way Tennessee could lose these. I mean, looking at the schedule, Appalachian State, Virginia Tech, Ohio, that's 3-0. Uh, they play Florida at home in a revenge game. That's 4-0. Then they go to Georgia. That's a tricky. Georgia and A&M. Just say they lose one of those games. Okay? And they, I think they beat Alabama in, in England. But after that, they've got five games in a row, easy wins. South Carolina, Tennessee Tech, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Just say they go 10-2. and two. They're winning the East, right, Jonathan? I mean, I just don't see them not winning it because I don't think Georgia can. I don't think Georgia – can make it through that schedule. They have at Ole Miss, at Missouri, at South Carolina. They play Auburn, Georgia Tech, Florida in the neutral site, Tennessee. I mean, they got a tough schedule. Yeah, I mean, this, this year is set up really nice for Tennessee. You know, it's never fun to have the back-to-back road games and the sandwich to be seeing Florida and Alabama. There's no doubt about that. That's a four-week stretch that they're not going to enjoy. Um, but I'm with you. I think they beat Florida and Alabama this year. I think they beat A&M um, just just because A&M's defense is so dang dang leaky. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett will be neutralized just like teams found a way to neutralize Canadian and Clowney. Um, I mean, that Georgia game is a huge game for them. And that's a huge game. And it seems like they're starting to get Georgia's number. You know, looking at the last yeah. looking at the last four years, you know, the years they went five and seven, they lost to Georgia at Georgia by seven. That fifty one forty four was just nuts game. They lost that one in overtime thirty four thirty one, the heartbreaker. They lost thirty five thirty two the next year at Georgia. And then last year they they beat them thirty eight thirty one. And I think that this is yeah. a team that's figured Georgia out and I think they're gonna have the upper hand in that game. I mean, honestly, if I'm being completely frank, if Tennessee does not win at least 11 games in the regular season, i got to call it a disappointment. Yeah, and I'm telling you, one, one thing that's going to help them at Georgia and A&M, that people, if you watch Tennessee, they, they're nasty physical. I mean, they, they play physical, physical defense, and they hit you every play. They remind me a lot of Alabama's defense, the way they're just all on it. They they make you earn every yard you get. And, you know, bringing these guys back another year, you have both juniors and seniors on this team now that's been through those springs and been through the, the summers and have been through the heartbreak of not finishing games. I mean, just think about it, the perfect storm – 
And now, for a reward for juniors and seniors, you have a schedule that your two biggest rivals, really, Florida and Alabama, are at home, a place, Georgia, that that you can win at. You've proven it, even when you were down. A team in A&M that's really not that that good, you punch them in the mouth, they fall apart. And all of a sudden, you may have a 12-0 Tennessee team here. I just look at the quarterback. If he improves his play, you're set everywhere else. They did lose their left tackle and right tackle, but they did. They do have a lot of, and they lost another one of their starters in the off season due to injury. But Jalen Hurd at running back and Kamara, two of the best, and they're probably the best backfield in the SEC. You have Josh Smith and Josh Malone, a receiver. Man, these guys are nasty, Jonathan, and they're physical. That's what's going to help them that four-game stretch that you're talking about. I don't think they're going to have to use all the gas beat Florida. They'll beat them by four touchdowns. At Georgia, it'll be a pretty close game, probably a 10-point game, May and M about a touchdown game. And you know what? It doesn't matter when Alabama comes into town. Everybody's up for that. So you don't have to worry about getting up for Bama, do you? No, I mean, that Bama game, that, that that's probably going to be the largest crowd that you're going to have. Uh, for a Tennessee game, because if they're rolling in at six and zero, and let's say Alabama six uh, undefeated at that point as well, and that's that's a huge game. That'll be coined the game of the year going into it, of course. Um, and it, it'll it'll be a, a complete ball of an affair. Uh, I, th- I think uh, that's going to be a great game. You know, when you return so much in that defense and so much on the offensive line, you have your quarterback and your top two running backs back. Tennessee is just going to punch Alabama in the mouth time and time and time again and try to take advantage of the inexperience. As talented as Alabama is, Tennessee has an edge in the experience about one of the most experienced teams returning in college football and the most experienced returning team in the SEC. And they're they're going to come after them. And this, this is the year. Tennessee's got to beat Bama, or I don't know when they're going to beat them again. Yeah, this is – I mean, it's set up perfect for Tennessee. No SEC East championship this year. Be like you said. I mean, anything eleven wins or below is a disappointment. That's weird talking about a team that you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, just what they did last year. If you're talking eleven wins, you say that about Alabama probably. Or, but now we're talking about Tennessee. That's how the team is, and that's what the division looks like they play in. I mean, think about it. If you're from a coaching mentality, I know you can't overlook anybody. Just get me through Alabama and you get five weeks off. That's really what you preach. <laughs> I mean, really, after Bama, you get a week off, and then you start your your cupcake high school schedule. So if you're, uh, if you're um, two, three, four, five, if you're six and one, seven and no oh after that Bama game, you're, you're looking good. But I think they can win all of them. That's how talented this team is. Because of that defense, if I look at the defense, offense is going to be pretty good. I think it can it can always improve. It, it, it had times last year when you watched Tennessee, you looked at the offense and you're like, really? You know, like uh, it just makes you kind of wonder. And then all of a sudden, you see them playing; they look great. But one thing that was good about that team last year to me was the defense. It stayed consistent and it kept them in ball games. I mean, think they lost to Oklahoma in overtime. Had that game won by three touchdowns. Had Florida stomped in the ground, lost that game off a of fluke. Turned around and lost to Arkansas, twenty-four to twenty. They were up four nothing in that game and kind of let down. And they lost to Alabama. Alabama scored on the last drive of the game to beat them, fourteen. You just two of those games away. 
I mean, you never know what could happen. But I mean, they 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 could have. They were winning. They were leading all of those games, Jonathan. Yeah, all and that's why. And that's why I look at those four games as the four most. You know, people are going to be like, "What about the Northwestern game? What about the Georgia game? You know, those were all important wins." I'm like, ah, they were they were good wins. Course, you know, you always like with Georgia to beat them at the end. That you know, they've had their number for a little while, and and of course, in the year on a high note, with the way they dismantled Northwestern, it's phenomenal. But it's the four losses that I look at, and I and that's that's my sign where I go, this team proved last year they can play with anybody. Now you had now you have those games where they lost because of the inexperience of being in the big time moment. Now they've been in the big time moment. They know what to do. The coaches know what to do. The players know what to do. They're going to go ahead and get that done this year. Yeah, and I just look at I'm always like, how did you finish the year? I'm one of those guys, did you lose your bowl game? And I know people say bowl games aren't that important. I think they are, especially when you're looking to make a run. When you're looking to make a run for a championship, your bowl game is very important. Tennessee finished the year beating Vanderbilt. 53-28, and then they went to the bowl and beat Northwestern 45-6. to So they, they carried that momentum into this offseason, and they got better. And they recruited very well. I mean, if you look at it, not a warrior, a safety. Jarrett, I can't pronounce his name, a quarterback out of New Jersey. Um, they got some good defensive players. They got some offensive linemen. I mean, these guys are good. I mean, Butch Jones, Jones all of a sudden in the East. I mean, you think about the coaches in the East and tell me who's the best coach is. I mean, you can't say it's coach at Alabama, uh, Georgia anymore because he's, you know, he's a freshman coach. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not giving McElwain any credit yet. Uh, Missouri's got a freshman coach. Kentucky's coach hasn't proven anything. Vanderbilt's coach hasn't proven anything. And, <laughs> you know, Muschamp, come on now. So, I mean, easily Tennessee has the best coach in their division right now, um, and, and that should give them a huge edge over uh, the rest of the teams in that division where you have freshman coaches, coaches that haven't proven nothing. You know, the, the only one that people are going to argue is going to be McElwain. It's like, well, McElwain had one one year last year where, I mean, it was very fluky. I mean, if you look at Florida, they beat Kentucky by five, oh, the game against Tennessee, um, the Vanderbilt game and the Florida Atlantic game. Do, do I need to point out two more embarrassing wins? Florida, Florida Atlantic in overtime. Vanderbilt nine to seven. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Kentucky fourteen to nine. I mean, East Carolina thirty-one to twenty-four. I mean, yeah. Florida State twenty-seven to two. <laughs> two. Oh, well, any I mean, look at how they ended the year. You want to talk about a team that ended the opposite way of Tennessee. Tennessee ended on a six-game winning streak. Tennessee, I mean, Florida, their last six games, you beat Vanderbilt 9-7, to you beat South Carolina 24-14, you beat Florida Atlantic 20-14 in overtime. All right, cool. You, you won. All right, I'll give you that. 27-2 loss, 29-15 loss, 41-7. They got dumped truck by Michigan. You know, that's a 97 97- to 26. They got outscored in their last three games. Alabama Alabama took it easy on them because it was McElwain. I'm telling you, Saban, that relationship. I'm telling you. 
I'm going to say, I don't, Bama just kind of rolled into that game and was like, well, we're going to win. So just hand it off 4,000 times. Uh, we got to throw the ball, just, just throw it, you know, once every, you know, three offensive possessions and, and we'll, we'll get it figured out. Cause Alabama did seem to sleepwalk that game a little. And I think that's why people were like, well, wait a minute. Is Alabama actually as good as we thought? And then of course they proved, yeah, no, they're, they are that good. Yeah. They played Michigan state and showed everybody what a, what a butt kick and a skull dragging was like. Well, well, th- well, that's my East prediction right there, Tennessee. Are you predicting Tennessee in the East? Uh, yeah, I did post my SEC predictions to the Wayne Sports page last night. I do have yeah. Tennessee taking the East. Uh, Quinn, who do you have taking the East? I have Tennessee taking the East. I agree with you guys on everything you guys said. Well, wow, that means it must going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen then if all of us agree. That's it. I'm trying to get Brittany Wagner on, the, the the lady from the from that show, Last Chance You. Trying to get her on here for an interview to talk about Franklin at the school a little bit. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I did start watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get her on here. I know Quinn doesn't watch television unless it's the shot put or the high jump or something, so <laughs> I don't watch Netflix, so I haven't watched Last Chance You. Quinn, do you watch dirty movies? I don't really watch movies. All I watch <laughs> is sports. I could I could care less about anything about else. That's right, man. I'm gonna tell you a show you guys need to watch. Game of Thrones, while we're breaking from football right here. Game of Thrones is it's a good show, but you better be ready to pay attention because there's seven kingdoms. There's all these stories and plots going on that affect the other ones. Jonathan, have you had the chance to watch it? I'm not even going to ask Quinn, so I'm going to ask you. No. Have you watched Game of Thrones? No, I haven't watched Game of Thrones. It's on my list of shows to watch. <laughs> But I'm trying to finish up a couple other shows right now, and then um, I'll jump into that one after I hit. Um, I'm going to do The Wire. I actually never got to watch The Wire, so I'm going to watch The Wire, and I'm going to finish Breaking Bad. I didn't see the last couple seasons of that, and then I'll That's probably awesome. jump into Game of Thrones. How about Sons of Anarchy? Have you seen that one? Are you kidding me? I watched I watched that whole series like twice. I mean, I could have gone without like season four and five, but some of the anarchy was. I mean, that was my jam. That was kind of dark, wasn't it? The last couple of seasons of that was kind of dark, depressing, like. Mhm. Oh, very. I mean, there were Breaking moments bad. where you're just like, whoa. You shoot your own mother and do that stuff. You, you know, it's getting a little crazy. Um, Go go go! Watch Netflix and just watch Sons of Anarchy. I think you'll like that show. There's no, there's absolutely zero sports involved in it, unless you talk about gun shooting and uh, motorcycle riding <laughs> sports. I consider those sports. And yeah, 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 that's be It's pretty cool. I think you'd like it, Glenn. You need to broaden your horizon, man. You can't just watch sports all your life. You know, I didn't, I didn't watch any of the Olympics. I'm proud to say. I don't watch any of the Olympics. Boo. Oh, my. Is that bad? Is that bad, Quinn? 
Benson is, but then bird. again, I I like I like like track and field, and I like wrestling. So, I mean, I watch I watch the marathon. If that makes you feel better, I watch the marathon. Oh wow! That's why Jason on to see why he watched. Jason, are you an Olympic fan, man? You put a big dip of kayak um, in and watch the Olympics. I I watched some of the Olympics. I didn't watch all of it. Um, I watched some of the diving, some of the swimming, and whatnot. So, yeah. All right. Well, you, well, you press number one. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah, just um, listening to you guys and the show. I'm with Jonathan, Sons of Man Hockey. Probably one of my favorite shows of all time. So, yeah. And if, if you guys if you guys watch Netflix, you guys have to watch The Lake. The Lake. The fantasy. The League. Oh, the League. Oh, oh no! I've tried to get into that. I just can't. My stepmother yeah. was a huge fan of it, and I just I just couldn't do it. <laughs> eh, it's not for everyone. How about Game of Thrones, uh, Jason? You seem like a Game of Thrones um, kind of guy. I haven't, I haven't watched that. Um, I haven't started it too. So, yeah. Man, you guys suck. <laughs> you guys are really <laughs> missing out on one of the best shows of all time, right there. It's, it's crazy. No, I have never watched Lost. I never will. I boycott stuff like that. And anything with a vampire in it, I don't watch it. I'm sorry, people. Uh, if there's Agreed. a vampire in it, I don't watch it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. not a tween, okay? I don't, I don't watch, <laughs> I don't watch I vampire have... movies for all you. Do you watch vampire I stuff, have... Jason? No, I don't. No, I, I'm not into that. Okay. Twilight and whatnot. Walking Dead. I am into Walking Dead. So that is a good Well, that's vampires. No, no. <laughs> and zombies. Zombies. There's a difference. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. I know in Oregon. I, I, know, I know in Oregon they've got vampires, don't they? Um, we got white. We got white people. Like, really, really white people. There's, there's white people. There's all these white people. <laughs> you got the real, you got real crackers, don't you, Jason? Over in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, we do. But why is that? Is it because the sun never comes out? Is, is it because the sun never comes out, or what? Well, yeah, the the sun only comes out like two months a year. And like the, we only get like one hot week of the summer. So yeah. I need to I need to come to, I need to come to Oregon and I need to come to Oregon and see some of these white 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 women. <laughs> it's yeah. very hippie in Oregon. Yeah. Um, like I was saying. I was gonna say, um, I I agree with you guys for Tennessee. Um, anything less than a East Division title, um, is a disappointment. 
Um, I don't know if you guys catch the um, ESPN uh, TV. I think it was the Cardiff Football Playoff TV. And Danny Connell had Georgia winning the SEC. Oh, God. That guy's such an idiot. (laughs) Danny Connell is is a moron and is not representative of the Florida State fan base. I want to make that absolutely clear. But he's a Florida State alumni. No, so he doesn't count. He, he, we 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 took, we took back his diploma. He, he doesn't count. We actually erased him uh, from from memory. No, not 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 a Florida State player. Yeah, I just thought it was an odd prediction. So. Yeah, Danny Cannell. You look up loser in the dictionary. There's a picture of him and his big nose in there. Ago. He, 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 he would be a white person if he didn't lay in that tanning bed. So I have a question. I have a, I have a question. In Oregon, do you have tanning beds? Um, there's tanning spots, but I don't know of them. So. <laughs> If you see a girl that's tan in Oregon, it's probably because of the tan in bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about the cheerleaders for Oregon? Explain that. <laughs> well, mm. Do you rent Oregon. these guys? Do you, do, you rent, do, you, do you rent them or something? I mean, because oh, people I've seen in Oregon. They're, they're just not from Oregon. They're from California, Florida, wherever they Went to high school, fun. Yeah. Well, Jason, Jason, I'm gonna come visit Oregon one day and watch the Ducks play. I may come this year. Who knows? I may. Yeah, you've been a fan for years and whatnot. Well, tell me a game you're going to. Tell me a game that I could make it to. Let's see. I'm not going to any. I'm. Like if if you're going to want to get this, well, because I'm gonna go watch Stanford November twelfth. November twelfth, I'm gonna go to Stanford watch that game. How about that? Ah, ah. Oh my God. Or yeah, I've got to go. What do you think, Jonathan? Road trip? Or gonna fly? Uh, I mean, (laughs) that'd be a fun road trip, but that'd be a long road trip. I don't. I'm not a fan of that uh, whole, hey, let's just drive through the night thing. <laughs> no. I'm not either, especially through Oregon. Yeah. Some people are like to Facebook, Oregon's going to win the three or four ball games this year. So, yeah. I can see that. I can see three or four, easy. You see Davis, <laughs> Colorado, yeah, I'm, I'm, Washington. I'm just hoping for two wins. UC Davis and Oregon State, I'll be happy. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> well, Jason, man, well, Jason, you have fun, man. Thanks for entertaining us a little bit tonight. We're going we're gonna to move on to Texas A&M out of the West. This is a team that I think the way they start, I mean, every year they start just they blow everybody away, if you've noticed. They just they come out, they, they're 4 or 5 and 0, and then they start getting killed. Let's look well, at their schedule. Well, they play cupcakes. UCLA, well, this year they don't. UCLA no. to start with. 
I think they win that one. Ooh, and I they know. got Prairie View. And then they go to Auburn. And they got Arkansas and Arlington. That's not going to be – that's tough. And then at South Carolina, Tennessee, at Alabama, at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU. I mean, you're looking at a 6-6 six and six team right here at best. They're not going into Auburn and winning that game. They're not going to beat – they're not going to beat Tennessee. They're not going to beat Bama. They're not going to beat – well, they may beat Mississippi State. They're not going to beat Ole Miss or LSU, I don't think. Now, I'm looking at seven and five. That's what I'm going to say for A&M. What do you guys think? Jonathan, start with you. Um, I got six and six for A&M. And here's, here's a nugget that I found interesting. If you look at the Auburn A&M little – uh, last you know the last four years, the home team hasn't won a game yet. I, I, I just, that that's just weird. Um, but I got A and M going what six game? Game? against Auburn. The home team has not won a game in that series yet. It's I know it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, but six and six A and M, and I mean yeah, it's gonna be fun watching guys like Christian Kirk and Miles Garrett. But I don't have a lot of faith in Trevor Knight actually really pulling this team, you know, forward. You know, there's going to be four guys on this team that I'm going to watch, and it's going to be a blast. And that's Steve Noyal, Christian Kirk, Daylon Mack, and Miles Garrett. But, you know, and those those are, you know, Mack and Garrett are two guys where if I'm Florida State, it's like, hey, can, can I have them? Like just let let us well, have here's them. The, we, here's the deal. Get them over. Here's the deal, guys. I don't care, Miles Garrett. You name those guys. They're a very soft team, and they cannot stop the run. This is a team that gave up over 213 yards on the ground a game. So I mean, you look at Auburn and their strengths is running the football. Hopefully, you look at Alabama. What do they do? You look at Tennessee. What do they do? You look at Mississippi State, Ole Miss. I mean, LSU, of course. Uh, UCLA, I think, match up with them because UCLA doesn't run the ball as much, but they will run it against A&M. That's where they suck, Quinn. They can't get anybody off the field. Third and three, yeah. people hand the ball off instead of throw it, and they just get first down. Yep, I agree. They, what do, they can't what do you stop think? their run. What do you think their record's going to be? What do you think their record's going to be? I think it will – I'm pulling it up here. I think it'll probably be like seven and five, six and six or something. Yeah, that's not right. Seven, seven, six. I'm good with either one of them. But I mean, let's look at their out of conference. UCLA. You got to give them some credit for playing them. Prairie View, New Mexico State, and UTSA. That's terrible. I mean, I don't <laughs> know what it is about Texas teams. Mostly, they won't play nobody out of conference, are they? For the most part, and Texas is playing. Texas will, Texas will, but it just seems like some of these other schools, man, they won't even. A and M. Remember they played Lamar Rice. Uh, I can't remember what the other five cupcakes they played before they even started the SEC schedule last year. Let's play. Let's see, Arizona State. They actually beat Arizona State last year pretty good. This is a team that started five and zero. They beat Arizona State, Ball State, Nevada, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. And then all of a sudden they went to Alabama, didn't do too – or they played Alabama at home and lost to 18, got 
bitch slapped at Ole Miss 23-3. Then they turned around and beat South Carolina at home. And then I think they had overlooked Auburn a little bit. And Auburn came in there and punched them in the mouth. They did beat Western Carolina and Vanderbilt, but they ended up losing to LSU 19-7 and Louisville 27-21. So it's a team that has a chance. But if you look at the way they block up front, I think defensive lines in the SEC are going to have a heyday with them. Something I think – some of your schemes like Auburn, LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, anybody like that, they're going to have fun against this offensive line of A&M. Yeah. With an I only center, see... right guard, and right tackle. Jonathan? Yeah, I agree. I think A&M offensive line-wise, everybody wants to talk them up. They always seem to be a little overrated there. Uh, you know, A&M is still built for the Big 12. And that, that's something that a lot of people forget. This is a team that's still built to run and gun it down the field. You know, they got a very good defensive line, but their back seven makes me, kind of, makes me you know, scratch my head and wonder if they're ever going to make a play. You know, I, I just – I don't see it for a and I, I, I just can't do it. Their receivers are, are stupid good, Teals Jones and Reynolds and Noyle and Kirk. But, I mean, looking at running back – and it's funny, A&M is like, okay, well, Oklahoma, give us your, your guys. So give us Ford and give us Knight. You know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, if those guys couldn't it's hack well. in Oklahoma, well, right. And well, if those it's guys well. couldn't hack in Oklahoma, yeah. what makes you think it's better at A&M? And not for nothing, but they went to Oklahoma because they didn't want to go to SEC to get away. So, I mean, I'm looking at it, and it just, it just makes me scratch my head and go, what is someone trying to do? Is he just trying to save his job? Because here's the thing. Someone goes 6-6, six and six, he gets fired. We all know that. Yeah. He gets canned. The only reason they didn't do it last year was that huge buyout. After this year, that buyout shrinks. Quinn, any thought, final thoughts on Texas A&Ms with the stud Kevin Sumlin as the head coach? <laughs> I only see three guaranteed wins. The closer I look at this, I could see them <laughs> losing every conference game plus losing the UCLA game. And that's being completely honest. Yeah, that happens when you can't stop the run. So you look at that. If you can't stop the run in the SEC, you might as well bend over and kiss your own butt because it's coming at you. I mean, if any successful team in the SEC can stop the run, we have to. They may not stop it every time, every game, but when it's third down and two, you stop the run. You don't let people just run down your throat. And that's where Texas A&M screwed up. That. They had one game, Johnny Menzel danced around like a clown one year against Alabama. And ever since then, everybody acted like A&M was good. <laughs> I mean, they sucked ever since then. I mean, they haven't been that good. Like, speaking and Ricky Seals Jones, God, I wish they were at Auburn. I do. I, I wish we could. We, we had those guys coming in this lineup, but we don't. But, I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. Because they they're not going to do anything with them anyway. Because these teams are going to put a pass on them because they won't run the ball. They're they're too stupid to run. So they just keep passing and passing until they get their quarterback broken in half and they transfer out or get them hurt or bench the wrong one. And uh, I I make it be a running back at A and M. Give me two or three carries the game. I could be on campus with a scholarship. You know, I mean that's all they do. On a third and twenty five, they run a draw play. That's about all for running backs. Good for that. That's why I've always said if I was a running back, I think about going to Texas Tech. You're going to get the ball what three times, maybe. Like you get a free scholarship to 
watch the game. And I was going to punt for Jacksonville State. I should have done that. And uh, the only thing is, I've never punted. But hey, it'd have been free school, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, free school. I should have, I should have done that. But looking back, you, I needed money. I needed to work. So I could nail a ball fifty, fifty-five yards and a punt easy. I mean, like it was. These punters these days are nothing. They, I think, I don't think they they teach anybody to kick anymore. But uh, but anyway, let's move over to the NFL real quick. Uh, Prescott again, Jonathan looks good. He has more touchdowns and incomplete passes in the NFL right now. And I know it's preseason, but the kid looks sharp. I mean, we talked about him. I'm not going to keep bragging about him, but <laughs> he looks pretty good right now from, from where I'm watching. Yeah, now that I'm in uh, southwest Florida, uh, the Dolphins tend to be the team that everybody focuses on. So it's kind of fun to watch that game. And uh, the broadcast had uh, Bob Greasy um, as part of the crew. And every time Prescott was in, you just hear the staff start to get quiet. It's like, oh, they know what's coming. They, they know. He, he would make a, he'd make a tremendous throw or that great run for a touchdown. It was just, well, what, uh, what are we supposed to do? And they just kept the camera on the Dolphins and set the coordinator all night, which was hilarious because that, that guy, if you're a professional lip reader, you were, you were having a ball. And there was nobody as frustrated as I've seen. Prescott looks phenomenal. Uh, and people keep saying, oh, well, you know, they're going to bench Romo. Well, let's, let's slow down, folks. They're not going to bench Romo right now. There, there's no doubt in my mind. No. But, you know, this kid is definitely somebody that they're going to bring along. And the great thing is that because he's so young, they can kind of just sit there and hold off on him and wait, let him mature and grow and learn the playbook for the next two years, you know, this year and next year, and then 2018 hand over the reins because that's when financially they can get out of the Romo contract without getting bent over. Yeah, and let's look at the team that's in the doghouse right now. Before we get on the Carolina Panthers, let's look at Denver. Um, I mean, Mark Sanchez is looking like dog crap. I mean, you, if you're John Elway right now, you should be shooting yourself right now for getting butt fumble Sanchez to be your quarterback. Now you've got to play Carolina that first week, and now they're looking at Lynch, a guy that couldn't even get 200 yards against Auburn last year. That's your savior? That's the team. That's the quarterback that's really going to revive your your team to get them back to the Super Bowl. Come on, Denver's going to finish last in the division. That's where Denver's going to finish, Jonathan. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they rebuild this year. Um, I'll I'll they give them suck. credit for that. Well, if their defense they is suck. good, if their defense is top five again, you just need somebody who can make the offense. Confident, and if the offense is confident, they I think they could you know make make a a good showing of it. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's going to be tough for them this year to you know really compete for for a title. But I think they knew that once Peyton was out the door. So uh, it's uh, okay. they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Though a lot of low scoring games is what I'm thinking. And we got Jared Goff at the Rams right now. He can't even get a pass off. He can't even get a snap off right now without fumbling it. 
and this guy goes number one overall. I remember talking about that guy on the show. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're, they're picking this guy number one. Remember we talked about the two quarterbacks that they all talked about was not even the top two quarterbacks in the draft, and they, they made such a big deal about it. And there's so many better quarterbacks. And, and, man, I'm ready to see the Carolina Panthers, Jonathan. I know you're not, but Kelvin Benjamin back healthy with the size and speed and strength and punches with that size, speed, and strength. And Olsen, I mean, this this offense, you thought Carolina looked good last year offensively? That's without Kelvin Benjamin on the field. What do you think about him this year with him? What what dynamic does he bring to this Carolina team that they didn't have last year? Well, you know, I got a soft spot for Kelvin because, you know, he's a Nolan. He's somebody that he should have been – <laughs> and, you know, the minute he showed up on campus, I was up a fan of his. And, uh, you know, he has the, the, the most important catch in Florida State history. Uh, <laughs> you know where I was going. Oh, yeah, it was. Catch. I mean, called that play from the get-go. Six, six against five, ten. Where do you think I'm going? But, um you know, looking at it, the thing he provides is he's got enough speed for uh, for Carolina's offense to where he can help stretch that field, and he's big enough to where Cam can just kind of throw the ball up and have faith. You know, it's one of the things that made Dante Culpepper so successful. This is something that people he didn't, he didn't have seem that to forget. Last year. He didn't have that. He didn't have no, that. No, he, he, had, he had to hope 10 game burned everybody deep. You know, and, and you know, when Culpepper had Randy Moss, he threw it up and had faith in Moss. Well, Cam has Kelvin Benjamin. Throw it up and have faith. Kelvin's not as good as Randy Moss. I'm not comparing them in that aspect. I'm just saying this is a big, tall receiver that you can trust down in the field to get the ball. And, you know, Kelvin's a great red zone threat. That, that's something where – and he takes a lot of pressure off of Olsen. And that's the big thing. The less hits Olsen takes over the middle – the better it is for Carolina because there's that just that one more and he can be done. So I think That's with, with Kelvin, it's huge. Mm-hmm. That worried me like, every game last year, Jonathan. It worried me every time Olsen looked like that. I mean, he's not a normal human being because most people couldn't have taken that punishment. I mean, and he caught balls over the middle. Let's not talk about, like, outside catches. He was making them over the middle and taking shots after shot he'd get up blood coming out of his chin and his head i mean but yet he kept playing that you're right that takes a huge amount of pressure off of him right there but being six five two forty five bunch is six four two twenty five i don't know olsen was he six three uh yeah i want to say olsen is about six three two fifty and that's that's some big time weapons you have, and that's not even counting out of the backfield. That's not counting Cam's arm with the other guys. Who's who is Benjamin going to make better? And that's what you looked at. You saw receivers all over the field running wide open. That's what's scary for Carolina last year. Now you add Benjamin to this team. Now you're going to have a lot more people running wide open because you have to respect that, and you have to respect the running game with Cam Newton in it. The defense, Luke Keekley, I heard the coach say he hadn't even hit his prime yet or his peak. I can't imagine Quinn, Luke Keekley being better, but if he does, I mean, this could be – I don't think they're going to be 15-1 and one this year, but I think they'll be like 13-3. and three. I mean, they, they, they could be 15-1, and one, but I don't think – it's hard to do that. 
And I think yeah. I, I think last year they, they got lucky a, a few times to do it. One thing I didn't like about Carolina last year is they got up by three or four touchdowns and they let teams come back. And that's one thing they're going to have to stop. But, Jonathan, it's hard to go 15-1. and one. I don't care how good you are. It's just hard in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at 13-3 thir- yeah. winning, that, winning that division, getting a first-round bye. That's what I think Carolina does this year. Well, I mean, I think the best thing for Carolina, and it won't seem like it in the moment, uh, to at least to the fan base, would be for them to lose a game early in the season, you know, sometime in the first eight games of the year. Because once once you lose one of those games, then it's like, all right, well, we're not going for an undefeated record. So once we get everything locked up, let's go ahead and just start resting, guys. So the minute they get the, uh, you know, like uh, home field throughout the playoffs locked up, all right, cool, let's start sitting, guys. I mean, we're we're good. Let's let's get them some time off. Uh, let let's get healthy and gear up for um, for the playoffs. So I, I think for Carolina, it's all about not intentionally losing a game, obviously. But you know, if they lose one early, I think it takes a whole heap of pressure off of them, off the team, off the and especially off the of Cam. Yeah, and that's where you want to keep it off of. What do you think about the NFL removing the probable designation from team injury reports? That's huge in fantasy football, man. You're looking at probable. That means they're probably going to play. and uh, But now they're not going to have that anymore. Yeah, it's I huge mean, for a, betting, too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's huge, yes. Questionable or I, doubtful is what you get now, or out. Yeah, you're either questionable, doubtful, or out. Your three categories. That probable meant you were probably 95% going to play. Because it shows, according to the league, roughly 95% of players listed as probable in prior years ended up playing. If there's any question concerning a player's availability for the game, the policy reads um, he should be listed as questionable. Now, if you go down to questionable, they don't have the percentages, but I'm thinking questionable was 50-50. I mean, I know that sounds stupid, but that's about right, Jonathan. If you bet on games, you see Tom Brady questionable, which he is every game, but you know, if you really were, were counting on him to seem questionable, it would make you start someone else. But if you see probable by that name, you're going to play him. <laughs> this is this is big. So you better be studying your injury reports. Your fantasy team is going to suck and your wallet's going to be empty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this mostly affects um, teams like the Patriots, who has a cheeky way of, you know, kind of just handling yeah. the bell because they're like, all right, well, everybody's everybody's probable. Maybe they're questionable. Maybe they're nothing. Uh, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see how some of te- some of those teams handle that designation now, to where it's either going to be, well, he's playing, but let's say he's ninety percent, or you know, if they're going to bump everybody to questionable, then my goodness, this is going to be somewhat of a disaster. And, yeah. and I don't, I don't understand why the NFL would do this. I don't think it harmed anybody. So. Like, what, I don't what, either. That's going to get into betting. It's for betting, I'm telling you. And it's uh, and it maybe will help. Like, you know, NFL is kind of in cahoots. Tell me if I'm wrong with FanDuel and things like that. You can bet and do things and make your lineups. This is a money thing, Quinn. If I'm looking at it, this is all about money. If, if any decision yeah. is made, it's usually about money. This is because now I'm very concerned about the NFL. In college, you can't trust anything you read because you don't have to. You have to report it in the NFL. But now this questionable status, 
is really going to hurt people. I think fantasy-wise, gambling-wise, any way you look at it, it's going to hurt. Yes, I agree for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then probably a lot of players will be on that question well now because it seemed like quite a few were on, would be on the probable, but now the guys that may have been on the probable will now be on the questionable. So it should be interesting how it affects fantasy and then betting games. Yeah, we'll see. And speaking of fantasy, what's, what's the chances of your Bears finishing over 500 this year? <laughs> if I, I would put it uh, well, if I was looking as like an outsider, I'd probably say 25%, 30%. Okay. That's about right. They could be they could be good, Jonathan. We don't know yet. we got to watch them play first, but um, I worry about the offense of the Bears. I like the defense, okay. I just I worry about the offense. Man, that defense is what worries me more than anything when it comes to the Bears. That defense has not uh, been up to par in uh, recent years. Man, you know we'll um, we'll we'll get a full shot to see if uh, all this buzz around Cutler is actually warranted. But I I, I just I don't see it, man. I, I I've been watching today they, for a how while. How are they in preseason? How are they doing in preseason right now? <laughs> um, you want to talk about that Broncos game? <laughs> I would, well, I mean, I just been? look at the stats. I hate preseason, but I would. I mean, the they did they did pretty. Uh, they the the offense the offense in general did horribly in the Denver game, and then the first team offense against New England did all right, and the first team defense did pretty good too, but uh, Hoyer, Hoyer couldn't do Jack, couldn't do Jack shit, <laughs> and then, and then Connor Shaw, Connor Shaw actually did all right, but uh, yeah, I don't know about Hoyer being the backup, he's been sucking through preseason. Terrible. I wish Sonny was here. I wish Sonny was here to talk about Brian Hoyer, John. I think he went like what? He went like one, one out of like seven, one out of eight, or something like that. The last preseason game. No, I could do that. <laughs> I could do yeah. that. I mean, I look Brian for Hoyer haters about five hundred. Like if you finish five hundred in the the preseason, that's okay, you know, like but the Eagles two and oh right now, the Rams two and O. Don't let that fool you. The Falcons two and oh. Come on now. Let's, these like, these teams me, are gonna be sucking high tip. Yeah. I would be more concerned if the Bears won the first two preseason games. Yeah. In two thousand and six yeah, when they had that really good season, they went 0-4 in the preseason. So I could care less about yeah. the preseason. I think you could get more about going to training camp and watching them at training camp than you could watching a preseason yeah. game. But that's yeah, what yeah, because they're not showing. It does matter though. Like 
there's about 10% of preseason that you watch. It doesn't mean something. I'd say 10%. 90% is is garbage, but it does kind of give you a sneak peek. Like some of these teams, and it shows, I mean, 500 is where you want to be in preseason, really, or below. You don't want to be undefeated. You don't want to – I'm sure the Falcons will go 4-0 and every, all the Falcons fans will be pumped <laughs> up in that first game. They'll get squashed. And uh, here we go again, Atlanta. I mean, it's just – it's the same crap. Carolina's one and one. They lost their first game because Cam Newton walked on the field. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he he calls him a touchdown. And then they beat who did they beat last night? They beat Tennessee. That's who they beat. They beat Tennessee. But Arizona's zero oh, wow. two right now. Yeah, Arizona's zero and two. Um, Saints are zero and two. The Bears are zero and two, and the Giants are zero and two. So. It it really there's a little bit that matters, but seeing the Rams two and zero makes me laugh a little bit because I know they're dead last in that West, even below San Francisco. Sunny, now let me tell you what Sunny did. Sunny's got Seattle finishing third in the division of the West. He has San Francisco second. What do you think, John? I laughed at him. What? The, the, he has San Francisco okay. finishing second. Does, does nobody under does nobody understand that Jeff Driscoll might be their starting quarterback this year? Is, is any, 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 I mean, I, 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 you know, and that's the sad thing. If I'm not kidding, like Colin Kaepernick's terrible. Blaine, da- I mean, come on, Blaine Gabbert. Let, let's be real for a second about Blaine, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, they signed Christian Ponder. What do do? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll you know, Christian is forever going to be a Noel. I'll love him for that Florida game uh, when he played with the busted up elbow, but come on now. So, Jeff Driscoll might be the starting quarterback for the 49ers, and I want to say he fumbled twice last night. Like, the only quarterback that looked decent for them was Ponder, sadly enough. So, I, I think, you know, the 49ers are going to be lucky to win five games. They are. You know, I think the, the Rams are going to finish third. Uh, just because their defense will carry them to victories over crap teams because they get to play crap teams. It's going to be Arizona yeah, and Seattle battling out. I want yeah, to see, I, I want to know what Sonny sees in San Francisco. Chip Kelly. I can change it, but, but, but the fact that he had the Niners second in that division, if that happens, I'll, my hat's off to him, but uh, I don't know, Sonny. Sonny must have been high on the caffeine this morning because he was I heard him rambling on. I, was, I had to disagree with him. Every week I disagree with him, and he loves it when you disagree with him, Jonathan. He has fun when you ride his tail. But I think sometimes Sonny says things to get reactions out of people sometimes. I think in his heart there's no way he thinks San Francisco is going to finish second in the West. And I think I think he was watching replays of the 80s and 90s San Francisco teams or something. Or of a couple years ago the, when Harborough was coach. <laughs> Harbor, who's that? <laughs> However, you say his last name, Harbor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, you know, Harbaugh. you know, my, my 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 favorite take from the games last night was the Saints and the Texans. Uh, there's this clip of Jadavian Clowney just killing the right tackle for the Saints, and everybody's like, "Oh, look, he's back! Clowney's back! This is why he was number one pick." And then when you slow down and watch it, you realize that the the, the right guard actually tripped the right tackle. 
Clowney's going to be hurt. Clowney will be out by the second game. He'll be out for the season with a tweaked hamstring. He'll be sitting over there sucking his thumb every game. I mean, making millions. South Carolina fans have become rabid about Clowney. Like, that. that is the only guy that's ever played for South Carolina football that was good, apparently. Forgetting all about, you know, somebody yeah, like George Rogers. Yeah, Thank you. Against Michigan. It, it was the one hit against Michigan, and he had the, the four or five sacks against Clemson that one year. And, and it's like, oh, my God. This, you're like, well, well, wait a minute. Why, why is he supposed to be good? I mean, you know, that, that, that highlight and the reaction from the South Carolina fan base was just my favorite, just my favorite from last night because I'm sitting there going, all these South Carolina fans are, are jaw jacking saying, look how awesome this is. And the right tackle got tripped by the guard, by the right guard. <laughs> I mean, Cloudy no, had nothing to favorite. do. The boy got tabletop. I'll tell you my favorite moment in South Carolina history was when Clemson and South Carolina got in a fight and Lou Holtz was out on the field crying and the team didn't get to go to a bowl. That was my favorite South Carolina moment. I know who I, – I, I'm actually – I used to be close personal friends with the guy who started that brawl. So, <laughs> I, got to, I got to learn a lot about that brawl. The only one without his helmet on, Bobby Williamson. He's like, I sacked the quarterback, sent over him. Next thing I know, my helmet went flying. I was on the <laughs> ground, and it, it was all like Donkey Kong. He, he works in SWAT now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can't it, stand Oh, no, who can? Is he still on the way in or did they fire him? Which one? I think they fired him, didn't they? Uh, Who, South Carolina did or ESPN? No, no, I'm talking about ESPN. They should have. I think he spit too much on the camera. I think they got rid of him. I think he's a janitor now over there at ESPN. (laughs) It's either they fired him or they, like, asked him to step down. So, I think they may have, like, I think it's like he resigned or something, but I'm guessing that was because they asked him to step down. So I, I got it. I got Here we go. The mutual agreement. Yeah, mutual yeah, agreement. Blah, blah, blah. Chris Fowler on game day. I think, I think takes away from game day. I don't know about you guys. This will be his second season, um, or David, whatever his name is. But Fowler not doing it, I think it hurts. Can you imagine the day that Kurt Herbstreit walks away from ESPN, Jonathan? Um, it's going to kill him, man. They, they, they've yeah, lost so many like good people Herb right Street. now. Well, Other two. He's the, a homer. But I, I like yeah, I've grown to like Herbie. I respect his opinion. Um you know, the the thing with Fowler is once he went on that SEC bias rant on game day, you knew his days were numbered. Um, and, and that that's just the, the unfortunate reality of it. Um, I, I think, you know, and Reese Davis was supposed to be the, the big up-and-coming guy that ESPN really wanted. They, they had to actually Thanks, get into God. a bidding war to win him. So I'm interested to see how Reese really handles it again this year. It's it, 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 I liked Fowler. I did, you know. Um, but that SEC bias rant really, really just crippled him as far mm-hmm. as college game day. 
Well, hold, well, hold on. There's something I need to find out from Jason that's going on right now. Jason Huffer, are you there, buddy? Come back on, Jason. Paul SummerSlam yeah. for a minute. All right, you there? Hello. Uh, so how many how many people in Oregon watch SummerSlam, and what is SummerSlam? Uh, I don't know how many people exactly want to. SummerSlam's the um, WWE pay per view event right now. So. So you paid yeah. money to watch this? Yeah, ten bucks a month. Good lord! Oh, ten bucks a month. Ten bucks a yeah, month. I man. thought it was a one. I, I thought SummerSlam was like a WrestleMania, like you had to pay like forty bucks for it or something. No, the um, WWE Network. You get all the pay per views live for ten bucks a month. So. Well, I yeah. didn't even know there's such a thing. Yeah, there's. Well, yeah, okay, it's cool. Been around like two years ago. So who's who's the who's the big match tonight? We need to keep our eye on. Um, big match. Um, obviously, got to look at Seth Rollins versus Ben Bowden. That's going to be a good one for the WWE Universal Title. And you obviously got D-Man Rose and um, Dolph Ziggler, and got the tag team titles on the line: New Day versus. The club, Anderson, yeah. and Gallows. So, okay, so all right, buddy. Well, thanks for the thanks for the update. But uh, so you can always say I wanted the first time we talked wrestling on this show, Jonathan. I, I did it. Why? I did it. <laughs> hey, just to say, just to check it off the list, man. You got to check it off the list. I learned two. I, I learned something tonight. I learned there was a WWE Network. Now, yeah, I remember uh, I going to Winghouse. I remember going to Winghouse about two months ago on a Sunday night to watch uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees play, and there was a crowd of about forty people watching the wrestling event. They were really into it. They were. <laughs> Definitely the oddest people in the building. They actually, uh, the waitress wasn't allowed to come over until there was like an intermission in the action. Um, and I remember the bartender and I having a great conversation about how this whole thing is ridiculous and the fact that all these people are sitting there talking about how real all this, this whole storyline is was probably the funniest thing they had seen. So wrestling, Wait, so there... is, is wrestling not real? So, so you're uh, me there's it's not people real? that still believe that pro wrestling is real. Yeah, no, I had a really well, good buddy in high school who believed that wrestling well, was real, on. and we. Jonathan, hold on, hold on. Let's talk to Jason right now. Jason, Jason, are you there, yeah. buddy? Yeah. Is wrestling real? Is wrestling real, or is it fake? Um. Some moves are fake, but I going through chair shots and and. The the more hardcore stuff, um, I don't see how you fake the pain and the whatnot. So it's it's entertainment for me. I don't really care if it's real or fake. So do you do you do you think it's determined before the match who wins or loses? Um, I used to think that, but I don't know. I I could be persuaded either way. Um, it's scripted. All right. It's completely scripted. I've I've talked to guys 
that were, uh, you know, that were in wrestling, the big show yeah. and The Undertaker in particular, who have admitted, yeah, it's scripted. Of course we know who's going to win. They've even admitted it. And even I watched the WWE. Now, it's gone to crap over the years. It's definitely not as good as it used to be. But I still sometimes watch it. And guys, guys will admit now that it's scripted. They know, they know who's winning. That's why afterwards oh, they're not oh, really upset because I gotta, they're just going I gotta out gotta interrupt y'all. I gotta, I gotta interrupt y'all a minute. I just watched uh, ESPN and it's got a. And, and again, I haven't watched ESPN all year. I haven't heard an opinion. But Danny Cannell is on a stage of a panel of five. He's got a suit on with tennis shoes and no socks. You got to turn it on right now. The ESPN might be two right now, but what a bunch of idiots sitting in a in a room right here. If the, if if the world got rid of these five people right now, we would be a lot better off. Can Can Danny Cannell just Go away. Every time he's on TV, every time Danny's on TV, the first thing he... Well, wait a minute. Isn't he a Noel? No. No, he's not. If you want to see a true Noel, watch Hard Knocks and watch Chris Winkie, who's the quarterback coach for the St. Louis Rams right now. That's a Noel. That that guy was awesome. When he was ripping apart golf, I, I, I I couldn't stop laughing. I almost cried. I, you know, and Danny Cannell about three years ago gave up any rights he had to be a Noel. He was booted off the Noel Island. Yeah, Danny Cannell sucks. But back to wrestling real quick, all my audiences I just lost talking about it. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I remember watching wrestling when Hulk Hogan was there. And I did, when, when Jason said something about it, they don't know how they could take the pain. I mean, you see, you get somebody hit over there with a crowbar, they're not going to get up and real life, Jason. Just, you know. <laughs> not I knew the Hulkster. We lived in the same Hulk town. Start bleeding. Every fight, he would bleed from his head, okay, and then he'd rip his shirt off. He'd start breathing real heavy, and somebody would take a machine gun and shoot him in the head, and it wouldn't bother him, and then... He would throw him up against ropes, give him the boot, and then jump off the rope or just like with a big leg land or whatever it's called. But it's scripted, Jason, man. If you watch that stuff and you think it's real, man, you're crazy. That stuff's scripted. Uh, it has to be. There's no way that stuff. But I, I see people getting in arguments about wrestling and stuff, so maybe we'll have a debate one night about whether it's real or not. But it'll be after football season, I promise you that. Well, and what I have fun with, and I know Quinn watches UFC, um, so so that definitely he can back me on this. Brock Lesnar decides he's going to come into the UFC. And it's like, well, yeah, Brock's going to win that fight. I mean, we all knew Brock was going to beat Mark Hunt. And then we all knew at the same time that after his piss test came back, he was going to lose the fight. You know, and, of course, that's exactly what happened. And then now you have CM Punk. Who it's gonna be like two, two and a half years for CM Punk gets to do an actual fight. And he I mean he came from the WWE and Conor McGregor calls out the whole WWE and they all wanna pop off and the response from everybody outside of wrestling fans is Do any of y'all really wanna fight this man? Any of y'all really wanna get in a ring with Conor McGregor? I don't care how big you are, yeah. you really wanna fight an actual fighter. I mean so 
wrestling is something that I joke and laugh at now. Even when I was a kid, I didn't watch it. I, you know, my my two best friends growing up were big wrestling fans. Well, Jonathan, no. The whole the whole funny thing is Conor McGregor outworked the entertainers who trash talk is their job. He outworked the workers. When he sent out that tweet, all everything Conor does is just to get him attention. He's laughing at the bank mm-hmm. when all those guys tuned in last night. He's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. So, I mean, he really outworked the workers. He got a huge response, yeah. and he probably just sat back yeah. laughing at them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to tell, tell you some wrestlers you don't want to fight. Like, you know, it's fake if they ever lose. The Rock, he would never lose a fight. Like John Cena, uh, Goldberg. You remember Goldberg, don't you? I mean, this this guy was just an animal. You don't beat those guys, okay? I mean, like in a fight. And, like, if it was a real fight, you, you definitely wouldn't. So, hey, people have to be entertained. Quinn watches the shot put and the hurdling in the Olympics. You know, <laughs> he, has to, he, has to, he has to be entertained. I have to watch Game of Thrones to be entertained so I don't have to take violence out on people. I can just watch it on TV. You know, that's why I'm <laughs> such a calm, cool dude because I watch a lot of violence. That way I don't have to do it. Right, I Quinn? mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though I, even though I could see if someone tried messing with you or getting in a fight, I could see you throwing a few punches. Oh, well, Brian's know. from Alabama. I mean, trapping's part of the way of life. Yeah, if you didn't go, if you don't know how to fight, you don't know how to survive. Really. I wouldn't be 39 right now if I didn't know how to fight. And you're the youngest mm-hmm. of seven kids. You better know. You better know how to fight. You, know, <laughs> you better learn you. quick. <laughs> you, you won't get any food. You won't get any food. I was always they they, they called me Ethi when I was a kid because I was a skinny <laughs> Ethiopian. <laughs> oh, good lord! That is so wrong. And then, and then, so many levels. And then I. And then, and then I turned into the animal. They call me the animal then. So you, you learn how to fight because you scrap and claw for everything you do. So, yeah. Hey, I met Jason. Or I, I met Sonya before. I went to Jason and Sonya's last night to meet Dustin Porterfield. I don't know if y'all know him from Facebook and mm-hmm. uh, his fiance, Texas fan. So he made a great hamburger last night. That was pretty fun. But. uh yeah, in Alabama, you better know how to fight, Quinn. So, don't. Same in Florida. Yeah, same in Florida. What about you, Quinn? Have you ever been in a fist fight besides with your sister? Well, in Kenosha? No. no. Well, well, well I've pun- I punched a couple kids, but they never punched back. They, the That's only the time I, I, I ever fought is once, once kids uh, started – talking about me or my family and then I was always someone that I'm not going to start something but I'll end it so then I confront him I punched punched one kid in the face and he never fought back and then this one time I my freshman year in high school in the middle of the hallway I started getting in a fight and and then a teacher pulled me off and yeah, I got hit one time so hard. I still, I mean, I got hit one time so hard by this guy that there was no way in hell I was getting up. I mean, it was, it was like a cheap shot. 
from the side, Jonathan, this guy outweighed me by double. He hit me. I, was, I didn't even know what hit me. It was like a truck. And my neck, my my jaw still hurts to this day from taking a shot like that. So oh, uh, I've never done a yeah. cheap shot. I've gotten in their face, and they saw it coming. I hadn't either. They just never. Oh, I haven't either. But that guy cheap shot at me, and he didn't have to. He could have whipped me either way. But he didn't have, the I, I he didn't have to. He didn't have to cheap shot me. I've never gotten my clock cleaned. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever. I mean, I, I did. I, I'm a, I was a black belt in karate up until I was about like 15. That's kind of when I just stopped practicing altogether. So I was always good at making sure you never got a complete shot on me. Um, but like I've gotten to some scraps where you're like, oh damn, like this. This was. This is what we call a toss. There's only one fight where I, I've been designated an L. And that kid outweighed me by about 50 pounds. He was about six inches taller than me. But halfway through that fight, I regretted starting it. <laughs> but that was probably my longest fight, I'm gonna too. I'm going to tell you what's scary is you're in a group of 40 people, then 40 of you start fighting. That's that's pretty scary and intense right there. That, yeah, there that's was probably the scariest I've ever been. That sounds like yeah, my junior year. Time. We had like five of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a time when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, and it was before my parents made me go to a private school. And uh, I, for no reason, I just walked out one day, and a couple kids came up, and like I literally thought I was gonna get jumped by like two or three people. And that was probably the most. That's always good. That's always good. That's always good if you lose, you have a reason at least. But if you get whipped one-on-one, my rule, never fight anybody smaller and never fight one-on-one, you know. I always get to get two-to-one. That way at least you get beat. Um, if you get beat. But but just to let you guys know, we're going to get we're gonna get the lady I was talking about on the guidance counselor, Brittany Wagner. Wagner. Uh, just a great person and all. She's gonna she's gonna come in and do an interview with us hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So so looking forward to that. And guys, we're close to football. It's time to rock and roll. Next week we'll get into uh conference projections of winners of each yeah. division. So get ready. We will talk. We'll give projections. We're saving Bama and Florida State and Auburn for last, of course, and uh, we'll talk about those guys and and see what we can do, but we want you to tell us each division who's going to win in each conference, who's going to play for the championship, and who's going to win it. And then if you if you're good Florida enough, State. can you can you get in the final four? Can you can you pick those? Because right now they got Alabama, Florida State, Clemson, people like that. We'll see. I don't think either yeah. one of those Alabama or Clemson will be in it. But that's why they play those games every Saturday, man. That's why it's a war every day. Who knows who's going to play in the Super Bowl? It's easier to pick the Super Bowl than it is the college playoff, I promise you. It's a lot easier. So we'll talk about our NFL projections as well and go through each division. So over the next week and a half, we've got to do all that. So guys, get ready, get locked in and loaded. Just a reminder that college football actually starts in, like, five days. Hawaii and California play in Australia, like, next Saturday, which is, like, Friday in the U.S. You know, I mean, I don't care who you are. you got to watch that game just because it's your first taste of real action. 
Yeah. Really? I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. You're welcome, yeah. Brian. See, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so, you, know, you learn something. You know, I've, I learned that wrestling's real. And uh, <laughs> I learned that, I learned that, I learned that there's a WWE network tonight. So, that's cool. All right, guys. Well, we got to let y'all roll. Have a good evening. God bless, and we'll see you next week. All right, y'all. Have a good one.